After hitting rock bottom in Chicago, are more changes coming to the Carolina Panthers offense? We'll talk about it right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free over on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Wednesday, I'll be back once again to answer your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council to get your questions in for this week's edition of the weekly Wednesday mailbag right here on Locked on Panthers. Today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So Thursday night was rough, y'all. The Carolina Panthers fall 16-13 to against the Chicago Bears on Thursday night. Football improving the Bears' draft position as the Panthers, of course, gave away their first-round pick in 2024 so they can move up to number one overall to draft Bryce Young, who they hope will be the future of the franchise. But after two straight weeks of poor performances, his development is in question, and we'll get into that here later on um, in the show. But yeah, not a good outing on Thursday. The offense hit rock bottom, 212 yards, um, 12 first downs, season lows, as Frank Reich's offense has not looked good at any point aside from the Seattle Seahawks game when Andy Dalton had to step in and they were able to throw for 300 yards on that day. And he attempted 50-plus passes. The offense has looked anemic. They have not consistently run the football well. They have not been able to find a consistent passing game. And all of that has led to a 1-8 and eight start. And many people questioning uh, whether Frank Reich is going to make it to next season, whether he should make it, and uh, what the future is going to look like here in Carolina. As, you know, a lot of hope for fans is placed into the draft, which would make sense. The best way to build your team in the NFL is through the draft. And when you look at you don't have a first-round pick which typically, as we've seen here in Carolina, has yielded some really good players, but some of those players are no longer here. Christian McCaffrey's in San Francisco. DJ Moore is in Chicago. And there is a question of whether Brian Burns, another one of those first-round picks, will be here to see it through, um, however long that may take uh, in Carolina for this team to finally be competitive. So a lot of hope is placed in the draft. So I understand that's why a lot of people are frustrated, aside from the fact that the Panthers um, have not been in the playoffs since 2017, since David Tepper has taken over. The Panthers have gone 30 and 61. Like that is not inspiring a lot of hope, considering that this is an owner who came here with a lot of money. Talk about the team would never be at a financial disadvantage. But unfortunately, David Tepper's involvement has put this organization at a disadvantage because he has made the wrong decisions and he's been extremely heavy-handed in how he's operated the Carolina Panthers, Charlotte FC, and all of Tepper Sports and Entertainment. And that has boiled over to the frustration of a 1-8 and eight start and fans apparently marching on Mint Street at the Bank of America Stadium on Sunday at noon. So, yeah, man. 
It's not ideal. And there are some questions now as Frank Reich spoke to the media on Friday afternoon after the Panthers' latest loss. And he was asked about, hey, uh, are you guys going to make any changes to the coaching staff? That was Steve Reed of the Associated Press who asked him that. And Frank said no. They're not looking at making any staff changes, but said uh, they could always look to see how they can get better. I don't know, Frank. Um, I'm not sitting here trying to advocate for people to lose their jobs. But if you're looking at how you can improve the team, if the coaching staff in certain position groups is not getting the most out of those players, maybe they are part of the problem. Or maybe it's just the players. I don't know. But you would imagine that they would come out with some sort of changes. Now, that was Friday. I'm recording this on Sunday at noon. Um, all people, I assume, are marching on Mint Street. I don't know if that's actually happening or not. Um, but I would imagine at some point in time, there's going to be a change. Like, there, you go into the buy, we knew that they were going to make a change as far as play caller. That was Thomas Brown. Now, in this little mini buy going into the weekend, you have to imagine that there's going to be some sort of change on the offensive staff. And, It seems to be that Thomas Brown is going to be the scapegoat. As Frank Reich was asked by David Newton of ESPN.com, pointing out that Thomas Brown led offense, has had two touchdowns in the three games, 12 quarters, that he has been the primary play caller. Of course, we look at the game-winning drive to beat the Colts, to beat the Texans, rather, and how encouraging that was. But since then... I mean, even then, you know, I've said multiple times now, 244 yards on that day, 86 of them came on that final drive, 158 until that moment. That's horrible. The offense did not look good in that, in that game. Bryce was sacked six times, having to run for his life, make plays, and he looked like he had turned a corner uh, that afternoon. The last two weeks, uh, Bryce didn't play well against Indianapolis, but the offense as a whole wasn't great. Sub 100 yards in the first half of that game. You look at Thursday night, the same case, sub 100 yards in that game. We're not able to make any chunk plays. It took Michael Strawn, who's probably like the eighth or ninth wide receiver here in Carolina, to be the one to make a big play for the Panthers. They set up a field goal in that game. It's just disappointing what we've seen. And when looking at it, Thomas Brown spent the entirety of the offseason with Frank Reich building this offense. So I was always a little confused by what people thought was going to happen with the offense once Thomas Brown took over, considering that he and Frank were the ones who constructed this. There were going to be concepts that Thomas Brown had learned in his previous stops, and of course Frank Reich was going to run a lot of the concepts that he's been familiar with that he's used during his career as a play caller. They they were going to marry both of those playbooks together. So the offense that we saw in the first six weeks, that was as much as Thomas Brown's offense as it was Frank Reich's offense. So yes, you can try and call plays and have to have a feel for the game and things can be different, but when you don't have the personnel, which they don't, the offensive line, four of the five guys from last year are there. Corbett still working his way back to being in football shape and being the player that we saw last season, uh, but they have not played well at all, which calls into question James Campen's future in Carolina as he's someone that was retained. Him and Chris Tabor, the only two that retained from Matt Rule's staff that was fired last year. Uh, but you look at the wide receiver core. In large part, these are guys that Sean Jefferson, the wide receiver coach, Frank Reich, that they wanted to bring to Carolina. And aside from Adam Thielen, they have not gotten nearly enough from those guys. And I will not really criticize Jonathan Mingo. He's a second-round pick, a rookie. The guy's still young. He's learning, so I'm not going to be all that concerned. But you haven't really seen a ton of signs that would lead you to believe that, oh, yeah, this is going to be a primary pass catcher here in Carolina for years to come. Like, and that that is a problem. So the personnel is not there, but it's not just the personnel. It's the concept, the schemes. Like These are Thomas Brown's schemes. These are Frank Reich's schemes. So changing the play caller 
it was a necessary change. I felt like it was the right decision as far as, okay, if Thomas Brown was always going to be the future play caller, you're 0-6, why not just have him be the singular voice working with Bryce Young? He's someone who really believed in Bryce, liked Bryce in the draft. That was his guy. All right, if that's the future, go ahead and go to it as the season at 0-6 was already lost. But now that the offense has been just as bad, if not worse, it's a little amusing that then he would be used as a scapegoat when what were people expecting that change anyways? Like, and Frank Wright came out and said too that like, I got to look at everything, understands that it's easy to point the finger at play calling, which that's what was happening to him earlier in the year and doesn't want to overreact to it. But he did not over, he did not rule out the potential change of him going back and being the primary play caller. As far as I'm concerned, if Thomas Brown is your OC and he's the guy that you want calling plays, just stick with Thomas Brown. No need to make any change. Stay with Thomas Brown. He is a first-time play caller at the NFL level. Give him time. It's been three games. Now, it hasn't looked good. It's been terrible. But I would think, Frank Reich, be patient with him. Just let him work through it, especially if the two of you are going to stay here and are going to be the coaches on this offensive coaching staff. I don't know. So that's just me. I feel like Thomas Brown hasn't been good. Uh, I think a lot of it's on him, obviously. A lot of it's on Frank Reich and all the offensive coaching staff. I think a lot of it's on the players. It's just no one who's really absolved the blame uh, for what's gone on here in Carolina offensively. And I don't think that removing Thomas Brown is going to fix anything because we saw what it was with Frank Reich. And now we've seen what it is with Thomas Brown. But really, if you think about it and you're honest with yourself, Frank Reich, Thomas Brown, the offense, it's all the same. And it's been deeply disappointing through the first nine games of the season. And Frank Reich has even asked about his job security. And he said, this is the NFL. We all understand that we're on day-to-day contracts. And yes, they are. And really, I think the job security for Frank Reich, Thomas Brown, and everyone here in Carolina hinges upon the development of Bryce Young. We saw him potentially take a turn a corner against Houston. That has not been the case the last couple of weeks. Look at the development of Bryce Young as he has hit a snag over the last couple of weeks here in Carolina in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes guesswork out of buying tickets. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNFL. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. Download GameTime time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed after leading the carolina panthers on a 15 play 86 yard drive to kill the final 617 of the game and a walk-off field goal by eddie pinheiro it felt like bryce young had finally turned the corner here in carolina the panthers went into the bye at 0-6 they decided they were going to change play callers out was Frank Reich, in was Thomas Brown, who was always supposed to be the play caller. He was going to be the future play caller. And we're thinking, all right, Thomas Brown's here. Yes, the offense still has the same problems they had before Thomas Brown took over the play calling. But now it's the one singular voice to be there working with Bryce Young, a guy who believed in Bryce, loves Bryce. And now they can build that relationship and we can move forward toward the future and continue to develop Bryce Young and really get to a place where, all right, there's some positive momentum heading into 2024 and a reason to keep this staff here. So out of that drive, you felt 
pretty good about Bryce Young. You felt good about Thomas Brown's ability to piece together a game-winning drive, something that we rarely have seen over the last couple of seasons. Teddy Bridgewater with Joe Brady back in 2020, time and time again, could not put it together. Questionable calls on fourth down. Why are you handing the ball to Alex Arma and not Christian McCaffrey? What are the things that they're doing on these drives? Unable to find an opportunity, find a way to get the overtime or to win the game 0 for 8 in that 2020 season. You look at Sam Darnold when he took over, had that one time against Minnesota where they were able to get to overtime after looking completely inept on offense all day. We saw his final game as a Carolina Panther back in January, able to lead a game-winning drive. But few and far between have we seen game-winning drives led by quarterbacks here in Carolina since Cam Newton was no longer a Carolina Panther the first time around. But Bryce... Looked good that day against Houston. I had talked about going into that week that, depending on the result, that was going to be used as a referendum on David Tepper, on Frank Reich, on Scott Fitter, on Bryce Young, and the entirety of the organization had Bryce Young struggled and C.J. Stroud went out and had a big-time day. Well, Bryce outplayed C.J. Stroud that day. Completed 22 of 31 passes, good for 71% completion percentage, uh, 235 yards on the day, a touchdown, had a season best, so far a career best, 103.6 rating. So all the vibes were good. We were telling ourselves, hey, not too far out of the lost column there in the NFC South. Still a long way to go. Actually got to win way more games for that to really be a conversation. But the thought of, hey, Bryce Young with Thomas Brown now as the OC quarterback pairing, these guys can develop together, can move forward, and the Panthers can gain some positive momentum. But the last two weeks... That has not been the case as the past two weeks against Indianapolis and against Chicago. Bryce is a combined 45 to 77. That's good for 58.4 completion percentage, 358 yards, a touchdown. Those three interceptions, two of them going back for touchdowns in that Colts game. He's been sacked seven times. He was sacked six times in that win against Houston and has a 58.3 combined rating. Bryce Young has regressed the last two weeks, and that is probably the most startling thing of what's happened the past two weeks after having that performance getting past the narrative and it only was gone for a week and it's going to continue as we're always going to compare Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson and Will Levis and look at that draft class and how those guys perform and with Carolina having a number one picker always going to wonder man should they have stayed at nine and taken Levis if he turns out to be the guy considering he's playing fairly well in his first couple starts there in Tennessee. Time will tell, um, but you'll wonder, should Stroud have been the, the pick after he set a record uh, passing yards by a rookie on that same Sunday where Bryce was to- was throwing two pick sixes that were the difference in that game in Indianapolis? Like That will always happen here throughout the rest of their careers in Indianapolis, in Carolina, in Nashville, and in Houston. That will be the discussion surrounding all of those players. Really, in Carolina, it's going to be a massive discussion point considering the Panthers had their pick. They could have taken any of the four. They went to see all four of them. They brought a massive traveling brigade to Columbus, down to Tuscaloosa, down to Lexington, all the way to Gainesville, and they decided that Bryce Young was their guy. And they spent a ton of resources with the coaching staff, to make sure that Bryce Young would be in the best position to succeed in 2024. But so far, we have seen that has not come to fruition. The scheme, the concepts from Frank Reich and Thomas Brown have not yielded success. Now, Frank Reich was asked about it on Friday, whether his receivers are getting open, and he says that he believes the receivers are getting open enough for them to be able to execute plays. Um, 
Look, Frank Reich understands this more than me. He watches the All-22. I'm not going back watching the All-22 like Frank Reich is. I just sit there, and we all sit there and watch the games, and we can see clearly. And anybody who breaks it down, like J.T. O'Sullivan on QB School is showing you how these receivers are just not getting open enough. But it is interesting that, I guess, when Bryce has played, how they're not open. But when Andy Dalton played, they had a huge day passing, and that's when Seattle was a little banged up in the secondary, um, not having Kobe Bryant, not having Jamal Adams out there. Maybe that was a part of it. I don't know, man. I, I don't know, but all I know is that Bryce Young's development has taken a step back the past two weeks, and that is seriously concerning. And I do think it's fair to say, like both these both things can be true. That so far the Carolina Panthers have failed Bryce Young with the offensive scheme around him, with the personnel around him, because it's not been good enough. And on paper, it was not good enough. In theory, I felt like there were more options for Bryce Young this year than there were at the end of the last season for Sam Darnold, when really it was DJ Moore. It was, of course, running the football, but in the past game, it was DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall. I thought this year, okay, you can use Miles Sanders. Hayden Hurst comes in here as a pass-catching tight end. You got DJ Chark, you got Adam Thielen. I felt like there were more options, but so far we've seen really the only option for Bryce Young is to run for his life or get the ball to Adam Thielen, and that is a problem, and those are players that this coaching staff, this front office brought in to build around Bryce after trading DJ Moore. So I think it's true that they failed him in that respect while also looking at Bryce and being a little disappointed in just his overall performance. Now, of course, the offensive line, the skill positions around him are a part of that, but I would have expected more from Bryce Young having seen him play the last couple years at Alabama, especially last year where the talent level was not nearly as great as it's been in the past when you look at what CJ Stroud had at Ohio State like that's not what Bryce Young had at Alabama but still Bryce found a way to drag that team across the finish line to win those games you're not seeing that from Bryce this year and that is concerning because at some point in time a quarterback that's going to be the franchise is going to need to elevate what's around him and understood rookie quarterback he should not be asked to necessarily do that but he needs to in a way. Like he's not absolved of all the criticism here in Carolina. I'm not blaming Bryce. I'm just saying that I would have expected a little bit more from Bryce Young, even with all the other issues around him that understood those have been a big part of why he struggled. But I would have felt like maybe he would have overcome the struggles a little bit more than he has so far this season. And looking at the struggles from the past two weeks and the question of will Frank Reich take over the play calling like this coaching staff's future is wholly dependent on how Bryce Young looks in the eight games remaining if Bryce Young continues to regress in the questions of whether sitting Bryce and being concerned about breaking him and his psyche uh, persist then I don't see how David Tepper can keep them around Defensively, we're going to talk about the defensive coaching staff. Like they have done their job, especially with the mass unit they have put out there the last couple of weeks and um, throughout the season, really. And you look at the offense when you bring in Frank Reich with all of the experience, you bring in Thomas Brown coming from the Sean McVay system to be your OC, someone that people have dubbed as a future head coach. Um, you bring in Parks Frazier, who called plays last year when Jeff Saturday took over as the interim in Indianapolis. You have Jim Caldwell. I don't know what he's doing, but you have him on the staff. You have Deuce Staley. You have that wealth of experience in the NFL on this offense coaching staff, a complete 180 for what you had previously when Matt Rule was here, when he first hired Joe Brady with little to no NFL experience. 
and for it to be worse than that, that's what's going to end up getting them fired is that they spent David Tepper spent a ton of money to bring Frank Reich in to assemble this offense coaching staff. And this is how bad it's looked. And they have not helped the quarterback that David Tepper wanted look like the franchise because David Tepper said that Bryce Young would win them not a Super Bowl, but Super Bowls. And so far, the coaching staff that he brought in to work with Bryce has not come close to leading you to believe that one day that will be a reality with Bryce and them together. And that is what's going to be their demise here in Carolina if things don't quickly turn around here in the final eight weeks, if they even get eight more games here in 2023. Now, the defensive coaching staff, man, I'm not wearing a hat on YouTube, but like tip my cap, hats off to them because they have struggled so far with the injuries. They've had their ups and downs, but out of the bye, Ajero Averro and that defensive staff have done their jobs. Let's take a moment to be a little positive here and shout out the job of that defense at Ajero Averro as Carolina Panthers again sit at one and eight, heading into their week 10, 9, or 11 game, whatever it is, against uh, Dallas. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. You can bet on the NBA. You can bet on the NHL. Of course, the NFL. Now, the Carolina Panthers might not be the team you want to bet on, uh, but go ahead. Place your money line bet and get the 150 bucks if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. As I mentioned, NBA's back at the in-season tournament going on. Get the NFL. College football is heating up as we get closer to the conference championship games and finding out who's going to be in the playoffs. And we got college basketball back. Thank goodness the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Uh, typically, we do the good, the bad, and the ugly after a Carolina Panthers game. And, you know, didn't decide to do that on today's show as there was a lot of ugly and plenty of other discussion points that surround, you know, the ugliness that we saw from the Carolina Panthers in their loss against the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football up there in Chicago, which was obviously concerning. But if we were going to get into any good, had I done that show, it was going to be all about the defense. I give them a ton of credit. This is a unit that has had so many guys go down and a few of them not surprised as we've seen some of these players really struggle with injuries throughout their careers. J.C. Horn has missed eight games. We don't even know when he's coming back. Frank Reich said, I think last week, about a week ago or whatever it was, um, that it's more than a week ago, but whenever he said that J.C. Horn was about one, two weeks away. So it's possible he comes back against Dallas. We'll see. Uh, but he has not been out there practicing, so it'd be a little surprising if he's able to come back and play against Dallas. But it's a possibility. Who knows? But he's missed eight games. Shaq Thompson, he's out for the season, so he's going to end up missing. He's missed seven so far. He'll end up missing 15 games this season. Xavier Woods, he had missed three games. Then once he came back, Von Bell had missed three games. Thursday was the first time since week three at Seattle that those two guys had been together on the field. And really, that's the first time since I think the first or second quarter 
of that Seattle Seahawks game that both those guys had been out on the field, the safety combination that we thought was going to be really good here in Carolina. And when they're out there, I think they are a very solid tandem. Justin Houston's missed two games, going to miss at least four as he's on IR. Brian Burns missed the game with concussion, should be back against Dallas on Sunday. The Marquise Haynes made his season debut after missing eight games as well, starting off the year on IR with a back injury. CJ Henderson missed. You look at it, the Panthers are down their top corner. They've missed Dante Jackson. Uh, before as well um, they're missing their third corner it was Dante Jackson your number two corner and then DiCaprio Boodle who probably is your number five based off of just the opportunities that have been placed out there so far this season like Deshaun Jameson got an opportunity before he did he played 100% of the snaps on Thursday night and he held up his own into the bargain like he is held up against these teams and I appreciate the Panthers being able to identify a player like that and for him to be a quality depth piece. That has been a concern for the last couple of years, just the depth across the board on the roster, and it's still a concern. But we've seen defensively, uh, whether it's just been the coaching, the scheme, I don't know, but they have found a way to get the most out of some of the players they've asked to go out there and play. Alex Cook at safety, another one of those guys when Sam Franklin was called upon, thought he played well in that role while Woods and Bell were out um, for a couple of those weeks. Amari Barno, DJ Johnson, they had to step up as the primary edge rushers on Thursday. I didn't get any pressure at all, but they had to play respectively 75%, 57% of the snaps. Like They had to step up and play with Itor Grismatos on IR. Brian Burns not playing with Justin Houston on IR as well. Eku Liotta, he played 44% of the snaps, getting elevated for, I think, the third week in a row off of the practice squad, so the Panthers likely going to have to sign him if they want to keep him around. Jamie Robinson, the fifth-round pick at FSU, has stepped in there in the slot role a time or two. Troy Hill has been in that slot role as well. While they have missed J.C. Horn, they've missed uh, Jeremy Chin now on IR, and he's out for the, most of the rest of the season here. So I give a lot of credit to Jero Vero and this defensive coaching staff for what they've done. You know, we talked about the experience, and I think that's really what led to people talking about like an all-star coaching staff when you have the experience that I mean, when you have a guy like Dom Capers who's in your coaching staff room, he's been a head coach. You got Jim Caldwell who's been a head coach. You have all these coaches, all this experience, have been to places that have won have rings, then yeah, that's going to be what that's going to be, I think, a, a fair dialogue that's going to have a fair, not a, expectations placed on them for the most part. And the coaching staff on defense, they have had the most success. When you look at the pieces, they were always there, but we just went over how your two of your safeties have been out. For like both your safeties have been out for a period of time. You haven't had JC really at all. You haven't had Shaq Thompson really at all this season. Uh, you've only missed Brian Burns one game, but the edge rusher, there's been injuries and concerns about that spot all season long. Like Derek Brown, he's played his tail off. I thought he was great on Thursday night as well. Brian Baldinger of the NFL Network, if you ever check him out on Twitter, he had a great breakdown of Derek Brown and how he played on Thursday for everything that they've been through. The mass unit that he's had to put together They've come out of the bye, and they have played their tails off because they were not good heading into the bye week. Now, understand that's at Detroit, that's at Miami. Those are two of the best offenses in the NFL, so that was not a surprise to anyone. And they head into the bye week, allowing the second most points in the NFL. Denver were the only team that were allowing more. And both those teams came out and had great performances. I had the bye week, at least out when next time the Carolina Panthers played. Um, but the Panthers, so far since coming out of the bye, allowed 13 points to the Houston Texans offense, uh, 13 points to the Colts offense. 
and 16 points to the Bears. If you allow 13, 13, 16 points in today's NFL, you should be able to win those football games. And that's where the offense has failed. This defense, yet again, and that has been a story that we have seen time and time again here in Carolina, and that is really the frustration that a lot of people have. But if you want to look at a bright spot, look at that defense, look at the job that Jero Vero has done, and all those players that have had to step up and have gone out there and given everything they had. Now, the offensive units they played recently, like the Bears aren't great, but still, they made them work for it. Um, you know, they don't get turnovers, but the Bears aren't great. Colts with Gardner Minshew, not not overwhelmingly great, obviously. Then Houston, that's a great, that's a pretty damn good job considering what they did right after that against the Buccaneers and what CJ Stroud's been able to do so far this season. So, hey, it's the NFL. You went out there, you played well enough on defense to win the games, but the difference has been turnovers by the offense and the offense just not able to convert when needed to. So, Gerald Vero, that defense, uh, tip of the cap to y'all because you have certainly uh, played well above what anybody would have expected considering the amount of injuries. And that is a bright spot in Carolina and something to uh, be proud of as Carolina Panthers prepare for Dallas here in Charlotte on Sunday. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, over on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Wednesday I'll be back to answer weekly Wednesday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me now. Uh, but in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole as always. Keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all on Tuesday.